O'Toole spoke here recently at the Shamo Forum of the University of Scranton. He is a longtime journalist and drama critic for the Irish Times, who often writes about current American affairs through Irish eyes. In March of 2005, he had a chance to review a new play opening then in Dublin that examined contemporary Irish experience by examining the impact of an important traveler from America. O'Toole writes, Donald O'Kelly's new play, The Cambria, is one of those works that when you see it, seems inevitable. O'Kelly was perhaps the first Irish writer to be animated by the plight of refugees arriving here with plays like Asylum, Asylum. He has, meanwhile, had probably his greatest international success with this superb one-man drama, Catalpa, in which he reenacted an epic 19th century voyage. The Cambria brings these two streams of his work together, recreating the voyage from New York to Cove in 1845 of the great African-American leader Frederick Douglass. Douglass, who had escaped from slavery in Baltimore, had then just published his famous narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass, an American slave, written by himself, breaking one of the great silences of history. Then, as he told a meeting in Belfast in December 1845, he was apprehensive that some plan would be formed for his re-enslavement, and to get rid of the kidnapper and his galling fetters, he ventured across the wave to tread the sacred soil of the Emerald Isle. Douglas was welcomed in Ireland by the great Daniel O'Connell and found asylum here. As he told his audience in Belfast, he stood on Irish soil, at least for a time, an acknowledged man, possessed of human rights. Ireland's support for Douglas is a proud moment in our history, and revisiting it might simply be an exercise in self-congratulation. But, of course, playwright O'Kelly has something more challenging in mind. The feel-good factor is deployed strategically as an agent of shame. The narrative of the Cambria is framed by a simple scenario in which a teacher in Ireland now laments the deportation back to Nigeria of one of her star pupils. The Cambria is thus a classically Brechtian parable in which an historical story is used to make a point about current politics. As such, it avoids the crude sentimentality of agitprop and creates an entertaining, thought-provoking, and beautifully crafted dialogue between past and present. Words of Fintan O'Toole, writing in the Irish Times in March 2005. As we speak, there is a program underway exploring similar questions in a virtual roundtable discussion about the legacy of Frederick Douglass, migrants, and Irishness. It's titled A Conversation on Douglass and Being Irish in Modern Ireland. It is one of the opening events of Douglas Week 2022. Frederick Douglass, the towering figure in American history, escaped enslavement to become a writer, orator, abolitionist, statesman, suffragette, publisher, and an advisor to several U.S. presidents. Douglas Week is usually held in February to celebrate Douglass's chosen birthday of February 14th. 
Adrian Mulligan is one of the coordinators of Douglas Week. He is associate professor and chair of the Department of Geography at Bucknell University in Lewisburg. And we had a chance to speak with him by phone about the vision for Douglas Week that is unfolding. Frederick Douglass, this was an individual who was born into, into slavery um, in the, the early 19th century. He didn't exactly know his, his birth date, as was sadly sort of common. You've got somebody like millions of other people at the time who was treated as, as not a person, as, as, as property, and he was owned and, and passed through various owners while he was, while he was young. He's somebody who learned to, to read and, and, and to write, which was unusual. You've got connections there between knowledge and power, and unfortunately, slaves in the 19th century were denied, denied knowledge that would, have, that would have empowered them. He's, he's somebody who managed to read and, and write, still treated horrifically. He, he escaped um, from Maryland, where he was, he was on the eastern shore of Maryland, I think was where he grew up. He ended up working on the, on the docks, I think, in, in Baltimore. There was a free black woman called Anna Murray who helped him to, to escape to, to the north. Again, behind every great man is usually an even greater woman. And, and she managed to, to get him papers, get him north. He's somebody, when he got to the north, he ended up in New Bedford, Massachusetts. I think he ended up working on the docks in New Bedford, a whaling town. Um, this would have been 1840s, early 1840s. And there he sort of, you know, got more involved with, with the abolitionist movement, working with famous abolitionists back then like Garrison, for example, and other folks as somebody who was a former slave and who was educated and very eloquent. He was he was a star, you know. He was he was somebody who was able to speak to, to the horrors that he had experienced personally able to, to bring those horrors to life, unfortunately, for people and for northern audiences. The work I've done on Douglas and how I got into Douglas Week and how that started, I'm, a, I'm an Irish citizen, as you might be able to tell from my accent. I'm also British, too. And I was looking at Frederick Douglass when he went to, the, to what was then the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland in 1845. So he published a, a book, an autobiography, when he was in the northern states, the autobiography made him so famous that under the fugitive slave laws at the time, he would have been quite the catch if he had been caught and shipped back south to, to slavery. So he fled the U.S. He went to, uh, to Great Britain, which then included Ireland at the time. And there, you know, there's lots of, of abolitionists there. You've got, interestingly, you've got abolitionism that was a real sort of transatlantic movement at the time. It wasn't just a U.S. movement. It was a British movement, too, and it was also powerful in other places. So Douglas went to, to the United Kingdom and really rallied an awful lot of support and, and got the message out there. He, he came back as well a, a free man, too. They had bought his, his slavery somewhat controversially over there, but he came back free. He came back with a lot of money to start up his, his newspaper, the Northern Star, um, moved to Rochester, started the newspaper. This would have been 1840s, 1850s. And really, you know, found an awful lot of, of, of strength and, and support. Interestingly, too, he was somebody who argued that the U.S. Constitution wasn't a, a, a worthless sort of document that, that should be ripped up, that, that it was worth sort of engaging with, with the project of America and arguing that the, the promise had not been completely fulfilled yet for, for all Americans and arguing that we needed to sort of to, to engage with, um, with some of these founding documents to extend citizenship to, to everybody. 
not just African-Americans and not just trying to free slaves, which, which obviously uh, that was his main focus, but he was also a, an advocate for women's rights as well. Um, that was, that was an also a really important thing that he did. And then as he got older and sort of, you know, especially after the Civil War, became more of sort of an elder statesman, was involved with government in different ways, he really threw his, his, his weight and his voice behind an awful lot of different causes um, as we're thinking about injustice in the world and, and things that, that needed to be fixed. So, so yeah, that, that's sort of Douglas as best I can, probably doing him immense injustice, pretty amazing individual, but as quickly as I can, sort of running through the gist of, of who he was. You didn't just give us information, you made a wonderful case for why all of you would want to gather together annually to explore issues raised by him and his life. Is that what Douglas Week is? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this started, we're, we're in our second year with Douglas Week. You can find us at, at douglasweek.org. We're kicking off with a whole series of, of events, many of them streaming live, but they're also going to be on YouTube. So it's a very sort of I mean, yes, I'm an academic, but I, I love this project because it's not too academic -y. It's got some academic elements to it, but it's also more outward-facing. It's not just highfalutin, smarty-pants academics talking about things. It's, it's, it's community-focused. It's engaging with real issues in the world. So, yeah, it began in, in, in County Cork in a city called Cork City, um, which is down in the southwest of Ireland. It started off ostensibly as just a one-day idea but, but last year, but it fast grew into Douglas Week last year. Um, just a small little organizing team of just me and a few other folks. Um, we sort of imagine this as, as, you know, we try to get out of the way ourselves, you know. So it's, it's a platform in many ways, and we try to sort of imagine it as, as a platform, much as abolitionism was a platform in the 19th century, but it's a platform to bring different groups together around the spirit of Frederick Douglass and to sort of use that as, as, as an excuse or as like an instigation, but also as sort of like a creative kind of collaboratory exploration of, of different social justice voices being brought together and doing sort of really cool things. So it, it, we not only try to use it to, to provide lots of folks you know, to amplify their voices, but also try to, to help sort of facilitate interconnective causes as well. So, so yeah, it's got, you know, we've got poetry, we've got sports, we've got dance, we've got actors, we've... We've got, you know, we've got a lot of stuff as well with race and racism. We've got stuff with some wonderful stuff with, with kids and school children doing work. We've got work with sort of thinking about migration and, and issues with asylum. I had an interview this morning that's going to be going live on our YouTube with looking at slavery today and modern slavery, how unfortunately, you know, there's 40 million slaves, modern slaves in the world today, and we're still very much connected through the things that we purchase quite often to all kinds of forms of slavery today in horrific ways that we don't think that much about. So yeah, collaborative, creative sort of platform for, for folks, and I guess me as an academic, I, I do scholarship, and I love doing this kind of, of scholarship where I can use the, the privilege that I, I have here in my wonderful job to, uh, to play this role a little bit, while also getting out of the way um, as well. 
And the idea is perhaps surprising to many who aren't familiar with Douglas or the people in the women's movement who went over to London to learn about marching and hunger strikes and so forth as well, that that was an important cross-Atlantic cross-pollination. What, for example, did he come away with that he might not have, would you say? Because he did spend that time and not just a week in Ireland. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, academically, I'm a geographer and a lot of the work that I do is is to try to think spatially about things because everything has everything has a geography. Everything we conceptualize as reality often happens spatially. And by thinking about the spatiality, whether it's under a microscope with the scale of the whole cosmos, you can understand things better by thinking spatially. So my work, you know, as you think about Douglas and as your question we just sort of got at, you know, as you think about him, not just historically, but geographically, you're like, well, what is that? You know, and, and so much of our history is bound within the shores of our nation state, but we've got all these wonderful global transatlantic histories that often we don't know that much about. So yeah, with Douglas, what did he get out of it? He talks about becoming, you know, finding freedom and being treated like, uh, like a human for the first time in his life. So although he had escaped slavery and he'd gotten to the northern states and he was relatively free, he was still fearful of getting captured and sent south. He nonetheless in the northern states in places like Massachusetts, he traveled around a lot, would experience an awful lot of racism. Um, and in Ireland, he did not experience racism. So you know, to, to some extent in Ireland, as a black man in the 1840s, there would have been, you know, black folks living in Ireland at that time. He would have been unusual, perhaps. He would have maybe stuck out. But there wasn't the connotation associated with his skin color that he was somehow inferior or not a human in the ways that, unfortunately, he was still being treated even in the northern states of, of the U.S. in the 1840s. So he speaks in Ireland, therefore, about finding sort of freedom and being treated like a real person for the first, for the first time and being able to, to breathe, you know, um, to be able to experience life um, without daily racism. And I think that in many ways, you know, that, that distance, but that freedom that was afforded him there really, really strengthened him, you know, really gave him a massive boost. We have to remember as well, he was like, you know, he's 20 something years of age when he went to to Ireland. We often sort of think of Douglas as the elder statesman, but at the time, this is a young guy, you know, he was still figuring things out. Pretty amazing guy. But this is like, you know, 20 something year old guy who'd, who'd escaped slavery and was in Ireland and was doing this stuff. Quite, quite amazing character. And you mentioned that there would be, for example, poetry and music and dance and so forth. So these arts will help us experience the story and the issues on a, not just a head way, right, but a head, heart, body way. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, we've got, you know, we've got Paul Oakley Stovall, who's a Hamilton actor, who's part of our team, Nikhil Sabu as well, another wonderful actor. We've got musicians involved. We've got all kinds of, we've got people who do dance. There's just, you know, there's just many ways in which you can sort of engage with this, with this subject matter in sort of, you know, creative, exploratory, sort of wonderful ways. And also Douglas, too. I mean, even with, with the horrible history and everything that he experienced, you know, when I was doing research on Douglas in Ireland, it, it was interesting to see somebody who was so smart and so savvy in terms of what he was doing and how he was doing it. But he would also sing, you know, he would also sing in front of crowds. He would enjoy dancing. So 
there's elements of the man here too. I, I, I think we try to sort of engage with that spirit of things, that spirit of things too. And it's more, it's more sort of inclusive, and and it's it's this is a project that's sort of engaging with social justice issues and anti-racism and all sorts of stuff. So it's weird to say that it should be fun. But, you know, we want it to be sort of an interesting experience for people as well. And you're inviting us who can't actually maybe be in Washington or be in Cork. We can jump online. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a wonderful thing with this. I've become more involved in this, weirdly, through the pandemic. But if it hadn't been for the pandemic, I would have been sitting here in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, not able to be as involved with this. So the fact that we were forced online last year meant that I could be far more involved. And also, too, weirdly, we're reaching, in a wonderful way, a far bigger audience than had we done a more traditional route of just doing it in person. So this year, we do have a few events in person down in D.C., mostly some poetry stuff, some songs, some musical things. We've got a a CD coming out of all things, out of all of this as well. So, yeah, we're doing some of those events down there. We've got walking tours and other things. But we've got so much of our content online. It's, it's going to be live streaming or it'll be on YouTube afterwards. You can check us out on douglasweek.org. Um, you can see all our schedule. We've got a YouTube channel. We've got Twitter. We've got Instagram. <laughs> Everything. But, you know, the point of this is it's not about us kind of publicizing ourselves. It's, it's the wonderful folks who are talking about amazing things and doing amazing stuff and and trying to get the, the, the word out every which way about all these wonderful things that are happening that people can also become more involved with because this is all grassroots sort of community organizations when you look at this stuff happening. There's a few, you know, academics scattered in there, but the academics are also working with, with local folks. Again, thinking about things like racism in communities, Think about racism in sports. We've got a roundtable coming up where I'm doing stuff on racism in sports. Again, the wonderful thing about this, is too, is that doing it, still doing it transatlantically, you know, like we're doing things with people every which way. And Zoom and YouTube, it allows us to, to think beyond the shores of our, of our nation states to see how these problems are, are larger and how we can tackle them together, I think, more successfully at a bigger scale. Just one question then about that and getting the word out and stimulating conversation. Can you say something about the fact that Douglas had the newspaper and was trying to get the word out and the impact? Yeah. So, I mean, as you think of Douglas back then in the 1840s, I mean, to get the word out, he had, you know, he, he was developing an argument about abolitionism and, and treating slaves as humans and as American citizens who and trying to sort of imagine a, a, an America that would, that would include them. How could he get that message out? He would write books, and he wrote an autobiography, obviously, in the United States. The autobiography made him so famous that, that he had to flee the U.S. He, he wrote other versions of that autobiography in the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland at the time. He went, you know, he didn't have, obviously, access to Facebook and Instagram and, and YouTube and Twitter. If he was around today, um, he certainly would have used all those venues. He was somebody as well who, he, he was also aware too, he was, people have written about this as well. He was like one of the most photographed guys of like the 19th century. So he, he knew sort of early on about the power of, of the image and, and getting his image out there. He traveled to Ireland, though, because of, of, of people who had access to a printing press. You know, at the time, if you had a printing press, 
it was it was the the Facebook of the day. It was a way that you could reach you know far more people with your message than just traveling around and just talking. If you could print your your words and your arguments um, in that kind of volume, then you could reach far more people and. You know, we, we've done the calculations in Ireland. He still carried his autobiography, a Dublin edition of his autobiography, everywhere he went. And also the sales of that paid for, for some of his trip around Ireland. But that thing was still heavy enough. We were working out the trunk that he dragged everywhere. I mean, you're talking like a 100, 150-pound trunk of autobiography <laughs> books. So, you know, he's getting the word out. He's, he's gone over there to, to get his book published. He's, he's selling it every which way. And that was sort of a really important aspect of what he was doing. So, yeah, there's, there's all sorts of ways, I suppose, in which we're trying to, trying to channel Douglas and capture who, who he was. Adrian Mulligan, Associate Professor and Chair of the Department of Geography at Bucknell University in Lewisburg, one of the coordinators of Douglas Week. And as we heard, Douglas Week is inspired by the breadth and influence of Douglas's remarkable life. It's held each year in a country connected with Douglas, hosting creative commemorations that reflect upon the local, international, social, political, activist issues like identity, diversity and inclusion, migration and racial equity. And of course, the focus this year is Douglas and Ireland. We have a website for you that gives you all the information that you need, and that's simply douglasweek.org. And Frederick Douglass, Douglas is spelled with two S's, so it's D-O-U-G-L-A-S-S. So douglasweek.org. And for example, you can find out that on February 11th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, there'll be a program on Frederick Douglass on Shakespeare and the Washington Theater. It will be a discussion led by historian John Muller, and they'll talk about the connections of Frederick Douglass to local theaters, performances, and specific actors, actresses invoking Shakespeare in oratory and then the community theater in Washington. That's just one of the many, many events on the schedule for Douglas Week 2022. It is an international event, and it is available to all of us. douglasweek.org, douglasweek.org.